Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. A reminder before we get to today's conversation with Stephen Mooring that if you are running in the Good Life Havsy in Lincoln, Nebraska on Sunday, November the 5th, that I will be at the Expo at the Lancaster Event Center in Lincoln, Nebraska on Saturday, November 4th. I will be there from 12 until 6, be doing a live podcast taping and a whole lot more. If you are running, I really hope to see you. I have some fun stuff planned, so be sure to stop by 4100 North 84th Street in Lincoln, Nebraska at the Good Life Havsey Expo ahead of Sunday's race. I will be there Saturday, November the 4th from 12 until 6 o'clock. Today's interview is with Stephen Mooring, a 36-time marathon runner. We discuss how he balances running with his job and healthcare, the idea of running too many marathons, the ups and downs of chasing after Boston, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Stephen Mooring. Stephen Mooring, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. Absolutely. Happy to have you. Uh, I love asking this question to begin every podcast. You know what's coming. How was your most recent run? I know you got it in within the last hour or so. Uh, it was uh, a post-work jaunt, uh, as I labeled it in Strava. I got in just a quick four miles on the, the good old field club trail. Uh, Tuesdays are my one of my favorite days because I often run doubles, and I ran uh, nine or so miles this morning. And uh then, which didn't upload to Strava, uh, phone problems. But uh-huh. anyway, I got a, a post-work jaunt in and just uh, got got the day's uh, stresses out, if you will. Good. According to the UNMC website, you are listed as an internal medicine primary care physician educator and a healthcare leader. What what does your job entail? What what do you do? Uh, well, I don't want to put your <laughs> your listeners to sleep, but, uh, so I, yeah, I work at the med center. I, um, about 50% of my time or so is clinical. So I see patients in a internal medicine clinic. Um, I say that internal medicine is like doctors for adults. So no peds, no, uh, OBGYN types, uh, type stuff, but, or no babies, I should say. But, um, I see a lot of patients with complex disease. So, you know, chronic conditions, uh, I, I joke that, a you know, a quarter of my patients have somebody else's organs in them because I see a lot of post-transplant patients. And then the other 50% of my time is administrative. So um, work with residents in, in doing education and then administer our population health program. So how we do in value-based contracts and how we perform, uh, you know, value-based care for our population. How important is running for you then given, I mean, that sounds like a very stressful job, <laughs> uh, obviously with people's uh, lives and, and stuff like that. How, how important is running and how, how difficult is it to balance with what I imagine to be a very demanding job at times? Uh, it, it, yes. So balancing is is a challenge, but I would say it's that's probably what I'm best at in a way. And you might we may get into this, but it's really why I run, to be honest. Um, so I think finding balance in your life and finding time for the things that keep you healthy, keep you sane, are are critical. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just ran Berlin, which was your 36th marathon. If I, uh, if I got everything right, let's go yep. all the way back though. Uh, your running journey begins in 2012. Yep. What's, what's going on at that point in your life and, and why do you decide to get into it? Sure. So 2012, I was a fourth year med student and I knew I was going into some type of primary care. And my thought was, if I'm going to ever tell a patient that they need to be healthy, I need to live it myself. And I wouldn't say I was like horribly unhealthy, but I was certainly a little overweight and I certainly didn't exercise um, as much as I needed to or or I would, would advocate to people. And so um, when I started running, I was, uh, I signed up at one of those gyms where, you know, you get a, you know, your first month is whatever you know, $12 or something. I think I probably know the exact gym you're talking about. Yeah. So it was like a 24 hour type deal. And I was so nervous, Josh, that I was going to like start and quit that I went every single day for over a hundred days because I was worried that if I missed one, it would turn into two and turn into a week and stuff like that. So much so that uh, my, my (laughs) uh, third son was born during that time. And I went like the morning we went, uh, that my wife was induced, and then the next day after he was born, like at the end of the day, so I wouldn't miss a day. Um, so, and she, with her blessing, she yeah, said yeah, it was fine. quite the streak yeah. you had going. Yeah, yeah. So I, I lost a, a fair amount of weight. Found out I loved running along the way, and I guess the rest is history. Why, why running? I always love asking people about it because I mean, it seems like we're similar in that regard, and that we both got into it to as a as a 
beginning to lose weight. Why mm-hmm. that instead of swimming or biking or whatever? Is it just because of kind of the ease of I can buy shoes and I can do it? Like that's the thing that I know I can just figure out on my own. Yeah, I think we all go into running thinking this is a really cheap sport, right? <laughs> it turns out that's not really the case. My uh, wife has been bringing that up to me a lot lately as we've been doing a bunch of budget stuff to look at just as we're starting to plan a whole lot of our future. And she keeps saying that this is not a cheap sport. I'm like, but I just need shoes and, right, and right. Then gels and then new outfits and then the race day. Yeah, all all of the above. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I I think I got into it for that reason. It was relatively cheap and inexpensive, and something that I could do and felt like I accomplished something at the end of it. There's like there's like a finite um, thing, right? So it was you accomplished X number of miles that day. There's something you can put on that, uh, which I guess you could say for biking and swimming too. But you you, I don't think there's any exercise for me personally that makes me feel the way running does. Was it something that you? fell into then fairly quickly um or was it was it more that you were having fun like just kind of shedding the pounds in in the early stages i was probably a little bit of both i mean it's certainly fun to see the weight come off um but also to realize you could do something that you didn't think was possible um you know, it's funny to look back now uh which we may talk about but like was not an athlete at all in high school right mm-hmm. so I thought people who ran cross country were like running these super long distances, like, oh my gosh, who is running these? And it turns out they run like, you know, 3K, 5K, and which now we're like, is that barely even a run? Um, I mean, you go for fast, obviously, but um, so you, you realize that you can do three, five, six miles at a time. And, you know, the first race I signed up for was <laughs> a 10 miler, um, a State Farm, uh, Lincoln 2012. And, you know, I remember the feeling of accomplishing that. My wife came out with with our young kids, and they were so proud. And I was so proud that I did something that I didn't think it was possible. You know, so I think uh, falling in love with accomplishing things that you didn't think you could do, that you didn't think was was even remotely accomplishable. So, do, do you think that it was something at I guess what, at what point did it go from I'm doing this because it, it's going to help me, you know, accomplish the goal of weight loss to okay, this is something that. I really want to start improving at. And and I guess how did that start to show itself for you over that time? Was it, you know, the buying of the books or reading the message boards? Like what what does that process look like for you back in that time? Uh it's a good question. Um I think so after that 10 mile race, I did my first half marathon just a few months later. And um then we moved to Omaha for residency and I Right, I think it was right before residency started. Um, we had like a few weeks after we had moved in, but before it started, and I was like, "Well, I know once first year of medical school or medical residency starts, I'm going to have like no time at all." And so I was like, "I wonder how far I could run." And so I had planned out a, a route on good old Map My Run, right? Uh, ended up getting lost, and but then you have to run back, so there's, <laughs> there's no way around it. And I ended up doing like 16 miles that day, and I was like, "Okay, this is really this is really awesome." And you start to see that you can run a little bit faster and, 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 um, in that, and like you said, you start to buy a book or something and read about what's, what's possible. And, and I think it was probably sometime that summer over the course of the next year that really was like, okay, I could, I could make something, I could do something with this. What did the people in your life think about it as you got into this? And what's uh, your, what's your age, I guess, at this time in 2012, 2013? I was 32. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. 32. I turned 32 in, in 2012. Um, well, my wife was incredibly supportive and she, uh, I don't know how much she appreciated that I was losing all this weight because she was gaining weight with her. I mean, she was pregnant at the time. Like it was intentional. She's supposed to gain weight. Right. So, um, I, I had started losing weight while she's in her final, like four months of pregnancy. And I don't know how much she enjoyed that. But then once she, and she had started running actually prior to that pregnancy. So she had started a little bit earlier, but once and then once she delivered, of course, she had um, came back to to running a little bit also. But we kind of fell into it together in a way. Um, but outside of my wife, it's really foreign. Um, my parents, my no one in my family is really athletes. Um, really don't still don't I don't think understand why I love running so much. So I, I think they were like, "Well, is he having a midlife crisis? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know what's what's." And I think even to this day, they, they they know it's an important part of my life. They know it's something that I'm always doing, um, but I still don't know if they really understand how, how much of a passion it is for me. Let me ask you this question, because um, you just said midlife crisis. I've joked 
to my wife and some friends, like, I'm happy that I had my midlife crisis when I did. And, and I was actually about the same age that you. I turned 32 in 2020. I, I really picked up running again, and, and I was 31 years old. And I, I, so I'll jokingly say that, not really knowing if that's actually the case, but there's a part of me that wonders if that's what this all is for me. Do, do you look at it that way as a, as a midlife crisis of sorts? Gosh, uh, I don't know that I ever have. Um, I wonder if people in my life have used that term. Um, <laughs> I would say this. I would say that running has changed my life in in uh, permanent ways that I could have never foreseen. So I guess in that sense, sure. Uh, I mean, historically, I think we always think of midlife crisis as someone who goes out and buys a sports car yes. or you know, something like that. A negative. That's, right, a negative. And this was an overwhelming positive. I can't imagine not having running in my life um, and all the people that it's brought in my life and the happiness and joy, et cetera. So in that sense, yes, I guess it, it's changed my life forever. What, where do you think it's changed the most? Like you just mentioned, it's 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 made some changes for you outside of, I guess, the obvious. Um, I think. How does it change you as a person? Sure, it, it's it's a driving passion and joy, um, and it it shapes it shapes uh, my my day to day in terms of schedule, but it also. Um, gives me the joy to get through each day. So I think my family would say that I'm a better person after I've gone out for my run. I think I'm a better doctor to my patients. I'm certainly a um, better dad and, and husband because of it. So I, I think it's 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 changed uh, my personality in terms of uh, being able to, to have joy uh, all the time. And it's like I said, a driving force, a passion. And and really, when you consider this, the sphere that I've gotten to run in, all the friends, including yourself and others um, that I've gotten to meet through it, I mean, I would have never, never met any, I mean, Derek, you're, you know, some of your other guests, because I'm a massive, massive introvert. Like, <laughs> I, I, I joke my wife could talk to literally anyone. Um, we go on plane trips and she's like, has made new best friends. And I'm like, why are you talking to these people? <laughs> Um, I am a massive introvert, but if you get me out on a run, like I will talk nonstop and can talk about running with about anyone. Um, so it's in that way, it's, it's allowed me to gain a circle of friends I would have never had otherwise. Going back to especially what you said at the beginning of the answer, it makes me think of something that Jonathan Levitt, who was the guest on the first episode said, uh, back in June, um, he said this many times, but how distance runners, he thinks endurance athletes, it makes them better like workers even because like you're doing this and it's like it's fun and we love it but it's obviously a hard thing too you know especially when you get into the meat of training or in the meat of a of a marathon in 26.2 miles as fun as that day was when i look back on and you look back on all these races there's also like really hard crappy moments within them and i feel, i always feel like i can kind of lean on that if i can do that then it makes the day to day of whatever i have to do for my job i feel like it makes it easier for me Oh, 100% absolutely and and i use running as a way to talk to my patients honestly um I mean, with most of them, I joke, hey, you don't have to go run a marathon, um, but we got to find a way to get you to be active because I spend a lot of time talking about lifestyle counseling, you know, nutrition, exercise, et cetera. Um, and so I, I talk about it all the time with with patients in, in terms of uh, their health risks. Um, absolutely. Speaking of marathons, when when does that enter the picture for you? Uh, it was literally a year later. So 2013 ran my first one. And I'll tell anyone who listens that my first marathon is, or crossing the line is one of the like top five memories in my life, other than getting married and the birth of my three, three boys. Um, I mean, I, I it, it's still, I'm still almost speechless talking about it because it's at the time, you're like, I, I never thought that someone like me could ever do this. I mean, even now, after 36 marathons, Josh, I still have trouble sometimes calling myself an athlete, to be honest. And um, that crossing, you know, again, hearkening back to never having really played sports in high school. Like I did growing up, sure, you know, baseball, Little League, et cetera. But like I was not an athlete in high school. And then crossing my that line of the first marathon, accomplishing something you never thought could ever be in you know, something you could do is is something I'll still always remember. So that was that was just like a year after I started running. That's how quickly I fell into this this world. What was it? Which marathon was it? Fargo, North Dakota. So Fargo, North Dakota. Yep. I remember when I finished mine, I was cramping like hell for the last nine miles, cramped in one leg at 17, probably the other leg at, at 18. Uh, so it was not a joyful experience for me, but it was joyful for you. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was hard. Yep, <laughs> like yep. every marathon. Like I have never run a marathon. It's not hard. Even the ones I've paced as a as a pacer. Um, but and maybe your mind just blocks out the pain of of uh, of that after a while, and you just remember the happy times. Um, but I I I don't think it was very long after where I was like, oh, I could definitely run another one. I could so run it faster. That's what I was you know? going to ask you: is how fast it was. It went from okay, this was awesome. Um, to, all right, now I want to start doing more of them. So it was pretty immediate for you. Yeah, I did wait a whole year till I ran my second one. Uh-huh. The, I think that's probably been the only time now that I've <laughs> gone an entire year between marathons. But uh, it was, uh, you, I knew I could do more. And uh, it was it was after that first marathon that I was like, okay, I, I guess I probably should do some other distances. I don't think I ran a 5K until after I had run my first marathon, to be honest. So it, it, at some point in time in, in this uh, journey of yours, the, the BQ is going to enter the picture. Um, and I know that you had a lot of cracks at it and you, you eventually got it in 2015, though similar to me, it ended up not resulting in, in getting to run it uh, the next year. Let's go in between that, though. 2013, you run your first. 2015, you, you, you finally knock it out. Wh- when does it enter the picture? Why does it enter the picture? And what do the next few races look like along the way? So being a highly analytical person, it entered the picture at my second marathon. <laughs> so I ran that first marathon in th- 3.55. And at the time, for my age, um, I needed a 3.10. Um, so that that second year, I ran a 3.19. So a massive jump, Huge right? PR. Huge. And my wife was actually worried. Uh, Aaron was like, are, are you disappointed? And I was like, no, actually, I'm thrilled. Like 3.19 is a huge jump from 3.55. So I was thrilled, but still a long ways to go. Um, I... But I did something I um, unfortunately did have done multiple times since, which was, well, let's sign up for another one right away, which has never, ever gone well. So <laughs> if anyone listening takes something from this, don't sign up for a revenge marathon. It never works. Um, I've tried it multiple times. Uh, so I tried again later that summer, I how, think. How far, do you remember how far the break oh, was? I mean, it was, a, it was a good enough break. It was like a good two or three months. Okay. Was, I mean, it was reasonable. Yeah, it wasn't the, the Derek Berlin Chicago no. back-to-back of a few weeks no, ago. No, that's not wise. Uh, <laughs> although, I mean... At least he wasn't racing the second one. True, true. Very true. Yeah. Um, but then, so I, I ran Fargo three consecutive years, and I, I know that seems crazy to drive up there from, from Omaha, but we had a friend who, who uh, was from there, and so yeah. she, we went along with her. But went 355, 319, and then 309. And so I got that 309 then in, in uh, 2015. So 2013, 14, 15, I ran Fargo. So got that 309, 309, 25, if I remember. And uh, it ended up that year that we needed, a, I want to say, around two minutes or so buffer. So not nearly the the dagger that you got served this year. But, and I knew that, you know, 35 seconds was likely not going to be enough, but you never know back then, who knows that the cutoff was, you know, um, multiple um, has been relatively low and it would change year to year. So really, but there had been a, there was a couple in there. I think I ran Sioux Falls, maybe a time or two. So I was, I was maybe on my fifth or sixth marathon or so when I hit that BQ for the first time, but then had the, you know, the heartbreak of it's, it's good, but not good enough. What is it like to go through that, the, that span where you, you're essentially wanting to attack it pretty much right away. You, you make a huge jump. And then every race after that, there is the pressure of a BQ. Like last year was the, the first time that I ever went into a race saying like, I want to, I want to get this. And I thought that I could do it and I got it. And, and yet I hear stories from you or others where it's like, a decade long process. Now you still were able to get it pretty fast yeah. relatively, but how do you kind of deal with the the maybe pain of missing out on it by, you know, a minute here or a minute there? How, how what how do you think that you handled it back then? <laughs> Probably not well. Um I, I think I handled it by well we're just going to keep trying. We're going to yeah. try harder. I mean, again, being analytical, I I I read um uh, I think McMillan's uh, "You Only Faster." I, I read uh, Jack Daniels' "Running Stuff." I mean, so you, I, I dove into where can I learn more? Because there, I mean, even now after the however many marathons, there's still I learn something every time. And so I think you can try and take lessons from where you could have improved, whether it's 
you know, nutrition or shoes or the training or what type of speed work or your long run distance, weekly mileage. I mean, there's always stuff you can work on to improve. I mean, maybe at some point I'll eventually learn that strength work is important <laughs> and find time for it. I don't know. Um, but I think there's you, you, you try and focus that energy into what can I do to try and do better next time? Mm-hmm. I mean, because you can't just keep taking the same crack and try the same uh, plan each time. It's It's not going to work. You have to adjust and adapt have you been a back of the book guy or do you have a coach or how i guess has that changed yeah it's so it's changed throughout the process um so i self-coached uh through when i actually did finally get a a a bq that got in um and then after that i had a coach for a couple of years um and then i've been self-coached for about the past three years or so okay Let's go back to the, the the first time you get a BQ, um, even though it ultimately, like you said, you're not going to get to race it. What what do you remember about that day, about how you felt going into that race, um, and I guess the emotions of, you know, you you do it, you do it, even though eventually you're going to learn you don't, but what do you remember about that day itself? Uh, gosh, I remember it being cold, perfectly cold, like, I don't know, 30 degrees. It was awesome. Um, I remember... Uh, I don't remember a ton about the race. I, this was before I started writing race recaps, but I remember getting to the last, you know, two or three miles and knowing like it was possible. I knew it, it was going to be close, but I knew it was possible uh, for the first time. And you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm actually going to do this. Um, and just elation of crossing the finish line. I mean, it was it was at least later on that day, if not the next day, that it w- that things started to set in about, oh, this may not be enough. Because I don't think I fully understood the whole qualified but not qualified um, until I started reading stuff afterwards. So I was honestly just thrilled to to hit the time then. I didn't. I was blessed with not knowing all of that at the time. What? How, how did you handle when, when that news eventually came down and it was official? How, how did you handle that? Uh, I mean, I think I did okay because the race was in May and I had until September to kind of process the fact that this likely was not going to be enough. And so it wasn't unlike, again, your situation where it's like, well, this is definitely going to be enough. And then you turn and find out, oh my gosh, this is the most people that's ever <laughs> registered for Boston, right? Yeah. So I, I had the whole summer to kind of realize, okay, 35 seconds probably is not going to be enough based on previous years. And you spend too much time on message boards with yep. people who have way too much time on their hands doing calculations, et cetera. Um, so I... I, by the time the announcement came out, I kind of had realized that was likely going to happen. Um, so I, I think I did okay, and I had already started looking towards what the next marathon was going to be. In hindsight, or I guess in the moment, did you appreciate that it was going to be something that maybe you had to overcome? Like the idea of, hey, this sucks. I did something that I thought was going to be good enough. It's not going to be good enough. I'm going to use this as motivation. Um, yes, but I was also incredibly ignorant in the sense that I had done three straight years at the same marathon of taking off big chunks of time. So at the time I thought, well, okay, I didn't get it this year, but that's just going to keep continuing, right? You just PR every time, right? (laughs) So 355, 319, 309, like it's just going to continue. So, I mean, easily the next time I'll nail it, right? False. Um, What happened the next time? So I had a string of marathons with just unfortunate circumstances. So I had one with bad weather. I had one where I had the worst GI like cramps and uh, terrible like bend doubling over in in stomach cramps and and couldn't and could barely finish. I had one where um, I had leg cramps because I I think I didn't drink enough. So like it was a parade of bad finishes. Um, time and time and time again because that remember that race had been may of 2015 and i didn't finally get the bq where i knew i was going to get it until the fall of 2017 so well over two years later and that was at least maybe four more marathons in that span that did not go to plan um so those were the ones that really stunk because i had had all these pr after pr and now it was no you're going the wrong way and at a certain point does that start affecting you where you're wondering i don't know if i'm going to be able to do this again or did you know like i i'll i just need to have a good day and i'll get past whatever issues i'm dealing with right now I think for me personally, it was some doubt about whether this is possible. Like not all of the population can get a Boston qualifying time, right? I mean, I think for most people, if you put in enough hard work, you can you can probably get close, but it's not true for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
if you were a athlete, so you start to wonder like, well, maybe if I had been an athlete growing up or if I had been, a, you know, done X, Y, and Z sports in college or something, maybe you start to wonder if like this is even possible uh, because otherwise it should have happened by now. So what was the day like when you, when you finally qualified? So Chicago, 2017. This is um, your first major. This was my first major. And it was it was a good day for me, not so much for my beloved wife who had to start like three corrals back and because of that, like ended up having a hot day. I got a little bit better weather oh. in the A corral. Um, but I had a fantastic day. Um, I ended up running a 306 and change. Um, so well under the what what I needed for the standard. Um, well, actually, turns out that year it ended up being nearly a four minute cut. And so the, the 306 wouldn't have even been good enough. Uh, but I ended up running faster two months later. Well, we can talk about that. <laughs> but um, because that unlocked something. Yeah. Um, it was like, you can do this, Stephen. Like, this is possible for you. Um, it's not the, what you ran that 309 previously. You were not a fluke. And um, everything just kind of fell into place that day. I think a lot of it was the fans in Chicago are so amazing and you, there's so much to look at and take your mind off of things. Like I'm, I'm an incredibly mental runner. And if I can actually get out of my head, um, that helps. And so being in a big city major, there's so many other things. There's, there's pace groups, there's, you know, so much to look at. Smells. People are are screaming, you know, it's, it's amazing. So I think that really helped things. Um, and I was just in a, in a great mental space that day and, um, ended up running exceptionally well and finally, you know, got so much under it that I was like, okay, I can do this. And yet it wouldn't have been enough. So you needed something two months later. Yeah. So ended up running CIM two months later and which we had signed up for, um, thinking, well, you know, Maybe we can get in. And we had some friends, I think, that went with us. Um, and uh, I remember what I remember most of. Well, I remember several things about CIM, but I remember getting off the bus because uh, you, you, you bus out to the start. It's a point to point. And someone that I had met through social media um, said, oh, you're you're running this, too. Didn't you just run <laughs> Chicago? And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, you know, you should never run more than two marathons a year and certainly not this close, right? She said that the morning of the race, like, why would you do that to someone, right? Text this to me after the race. Yes, this is terrible. I mean, sure, we've all heard that, but like, you don't say that to someone. Anyway, and so maybe that, I don't know, maybe that fueled me or something, but having unlocked things in Chicago um, and feeling like I had gotten through that big mental hurdle of like, yes, you can do this, then I you know, knocked another several minutes off and ran a, a new PR that day. And that maybe to this day is the most consistent marathon I've ever run. Like every mile was like dead on splits. And I remember you saying, um, uh, your, your motto was, was leave no doubt uh, from one of the best movies of all time, by the way. (laughs) Um, that, that was uh, a similar mantra I had that day. I was, it was something like, um, you can either throw in the towel or you can drop the hammer, leave Uh no doubt. Uh And I remember going down the the final straightaway and knowing that I was not only going to crush that 310 that I needed, I was going to be under 305 um, for the first time and never forget that day. That was amazing. So that's, race. that's 17 and you yep. qualify for that for the, the 19 for marathon 19 because yep. of, because, because it of essentially was, yeah, just the, the window opening. Um, was that, was that race everything that you hoped it was going to be when you finally got to Boston in 2019? Because like we, I'm building it up in my head right, and now I'm going to have to build it up for a whole extra year. <laughs> right. Um, and and I, I know I've said this on one of these pods, but like, I think a lot of us treat then the training for Boston like this is going to be the best training I ever have, and, and that's my plan, right? In a year, I want to have the best training I've ever had because I want to have the best training for Boston. And then I hope to get to that day. And I mean, everyone says it's the best, so it probably will be. But was was it like that for you? It, I mean, Boston really was magical, and that's why I've kept going back um, to the probably the chagrin of my life because it's not a cheap trip. No, like, it is not. There's nothing about that that's cheap. Like you can't fly there cheap. The hotels aren't cheap. You buy like ridiculous amounts of clothing and yeah. you know everything. But it's Boston. It's amazing. Like it's it's. I've heard people say it's like the amateur runners Olympics, right? So uh, for most of us, an OTQ is never ever going to happen. But we can qualify for Boston and. Uh, so yes, it was amazing. We took the kids, um, which are you know our older, our oldest, and maybe our oldest too had had started learning some American history, so they got to experience Boston. So that was amazing. Very cool. Um, the race itself is is iconic, and 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 it's everything it's been built up in your head to be absolutely. 
Um, I, I ran really well that day, actually, uh, despite terrible conditions. It was a hot year. It was, so it was a year after the, the, uh, monsoon year in 18. So this was 19, which was hot. Um, but I mean, I, I ran really well and had a good day. It wasn't, it wasn't a PR at the time cause I had just PR'd, um, in the fall of 18, but, um, I ran really well and enjoyed every single moment of it so much so that I wanted to keep back and keep going back every single year. What is your favorite part about that race? Uh, at this point now it's the people because I've been several times. And so I, I know people that I'm going to see friends that I've only met that don't live in Omaha that I've met because of running. And I know I'm going to see them at Boston. Um, but aside from the people it's gosh, it's, it's walking down, um, Boylston even the day before, um, and just, seeing the blue and yellow everywhere it's uh it's turning onto uh hereford and boylston you know the at the iconic last turns of the race it's the absolute scream of the crowds when when you make those turns but it's also like the little the the small cities along the way too i mean there's so much to see you know whether it's it'd be framingham or wellesley or or uh, uh all all this the ashland along the way it's it's cool to see people out and just cheering on because there's there's so much pride in in the race that they put on yeah god i can't wait to go there it's gonna be awesome it will uh so you you you're continuing to set prs though so you say that you just set one in 2019 or 2018 fall of 2018 fall of yeah. 2018 I finally broke three and so that's time. that's what i wanted to ask you because all of these times you were hanging out around three mm-hmm. um your big goal throughout this process seems to be boston uh, I have to imagine the secondary goal was always three. Uh, how how did you go about attacking that, and 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 what was the process like? Yeah, so the goal after I ran that three hundred four um, in at CIM in fall of seventeen, uh, I ran I train I continued to train myself in the spring of eighteen and uh, had a terrible terrible spring marathon. And at that point was when I said, okay, maybe I need someone smarter than myself. Um, and so decided to hire a coach. Yeah. And then uh, over the course of the next year, PR'd every single distance. And <laughs> I think, I mean, so clearly there was something that I was not getting from my own reading or coaching myself. And I think that's true for most people because we need someone to look at things differently. Um, and I, I think you can do a lot of self-coaching, but there's a lot of things that you can learn because someone sees things that you don't see, and they're probably more prone to make you do the things that you don't want to do. Um, not all of us. I mean, super high-level elite athletes are are usually really good at saying, I need to work on the things that I don't like or that I'm not good at. Uh, but I think for a lot of the rest of us, that's a challenge, and we sometimes regress to the mean. Um, and so having a coach helped me work on those things that I didn't want to do. Real quick, what what do you think those were? What what were you missing and what were the things that you didn't want to do that the coach made you do? Uh so give me long repeats and tempo all day long and I will knock it out of the park. Like I I like a good long I love long runs, but I and I I don't mind long runs with efforts in them, but I like long repeats and I absolutely hate short stuff. So uh, that's, I think it goes back to not being ath- an athlete, like 400s, 800s, just kill me now. Um, that sounds absolutely terrible. It does. Um, which is why I abhor the 5k, um, that, that, you know, lungs on fire, you yeah. want to die yeah, for 15 it's, minutes it's to 20 terrible. minutes. Yeah. No, thank you. Or, or the mile race for that matter. Uh, just pure death, which I did in 2020 during the pandemic. And I uh, hope to never do it again. <laughs> um, proud of what I did, but never want to do it again. Uh, so I think making me work on those things uh, helped. And previous to that, I would usually do like uh, two, occasionally three, but usually two hard workouts a week. But the long run was always easy, mm-hmm. always. And uh, the coach helped me to change that philosophy to, okay, we're going to do long runs with efforts. And I think you keep, for most of us amateurs, I think you have to choose. Um, you can't do two hard workouts, and then also have a long run that has efforts in it. We just don't have enough time in our lives to recover. I think elites can get away with that because their job is to recover. Uh, but for most of us who have day jobs, that's that's asking a lot of your body, or at least you have to adapt. Um, and so I think that, that those were the probably the things that got me um, – uh, got that that change up in my training that got me to uh, all those new PRs. So, what was it like then, as you're as you're then trying to attack the the sub three? Like, what what's what's the mindset as you're going into? I guess how many how many real 
stabs at it do you have in races? So aside from that that marathon I ran in the spring of 18 by myself, um, the very first marathon, uh, which I can't, I don't even remember what my goal was. There was probably to PR, but I don't know if I was specifically shooting for sub three or not. But um, then training all through the summer of, of 18, um, that was the goal for Marine Corps fall 2018 was we're going to take a shot at sub three. And that's where I did it. I mean, so I, I'm feel incredibly lucky and, and blessed that I was able to do that um, at essentially my first shot at it. But I also had no idea what I was doing going into it because for the first time, I actually was completely trusting a coach and I had to kind of shut off my analytical brain a little bit and just say, I'm going to do what is written on my plan and I'm not going to think about what the pace is. It, I, it, instead of being like, okay, the goal is three hours, so I need to run exactly 651 for 26.2 miles. That was that was never talked about in training. It was like, here's your workout for this week or for you know whatever, um, but it was never like, okay, this week we're going to do X miles at 6.51. Next week we're going to do this many miles at 6.51. Like that was never the plan. It was always, you know, a variety of workouts. And so, and that's a lesson I've taken forward in now into coaching myself again is that it can't just be about marathon pace and yeah. set it and forget it. Did you enjoy breaking three more or getting the BQ more? Wow. Gosh, that's a good question. Um. It was honestly, it was probably it was it was the BQ to be honest. I, I really loved breaking three. Don't get me wrong. It's a, <laughs> it's a that those round numbers, right? So uh -huh. forty minute ten k, whatever. You know, th those types of round numbers are are fun to see. Um, but honestly, that that BQ because I had been trying for so so long. Yeah. Um, that that really meant a lot. Um, I, although I will say when I when I broke three the second time and did it myself, like without, I was my own coach. That was probably right up there. As and well. when was that? That was uh, spring of 22. So after getting through all of the pandemic and, and everything like that. I wanted to ask you about that. Um, and I don't want to keep doing the same spiel I do with like every guest when I talk about COVID, but I always viewed it as a fork in the road moment for me. I went down one way, but that was also the beginning of my running journey. You're darn near a decade in at this point in time. Um, not to mention you're a doctor. And so you probably have a whole hell of a lot going on um, or you're dealing with a lot of challenges that you were not dealing with before. What was running like for you during, especially like, I guess I don't even want to say the early stages. It was it was March of 2020 when everything changed and and the vaccines weren't like regular for essentially a year. I got my first shot in March of 2021. So that was a year of living kind of the way we were. What was that like for you? Uh, COVID was interesting. So being primarily an outpatient physician, um, I felt almost a little bit protected the first few months uh, from March through maybe even... July or August, um, it so there were new challenges at work, right? So we had to learn how to do telehealth. I was highly involved in getting a lot of our clinics with up and running with that. How to deliver care uh, via via telehealth and telephone. Um, you know, navigating how to treat patients when they don't want to even come to the hospital because of of risk. You know, uh, but I wasn't. I wasn't on the the ICU floors seeing patients die in front of me. I mean, I've been there before, but I wasn't there for for COVID. My patients were um, my patients were dying in the hospital or or dying at home, but I wasn't getting to I wasn't there for it. Like I would be, I would send them to the hospital or I'd hear that that things happen. So I almost feel a little bit protected in the first few months um, because I wasn't the one physically on the COVID ward, um, and so. Running was a, a beautiful respite for about four or five months, and I had a focus and a goal because I was still with a coach at the time, and we attacked going after the mile. And I, I mean, I although I hated it, I look back in pride of that I was able to run a five oh five. Like that seems That's crazy. awesome. It's crazy. I, I still don't believe it's possible, um, and I never want to do it again <laughs> ever. Uh, but it was then by the time August came around things really started to drain on yeah. me because we nothing was opening back up it wasn't getting any easier and my patients were still dying yeah and, and fall and winter were approaching right and we knew things were likely to get worse and there was no real treatments that were proven effective we had some things that helped uh 
vaccines were still quite a ways away. And that's the only time in my career as a physician that I really think that I was darn near approaching burnout and, and running couldn't just save me from it. Um, in fact, I, I entered a few like trail races and my heart just wasn't in it. And yeah. that's when things really got hard um, for life, for running, um, for work in general. Did you feel burned out on running too? Or was it just work and thus then running wasn't as enjoyable? Um, I think I lost some of my fire um, to keep chasing things, at least for a few months. I think I probably would have been wise to take a break. Um or, or just run for fun. Like, you know, it, you can't just endlessly marathon train. I, cause I've certainly tried. Um, and I think I probably needed to take a break, uh, and I didn't. And so I think I, it was probably work that led to burnout and running, but, um, you know, they're so intermixed that I don't know that I could tell the difference. Do you feel like there's a moment in time now when you look back and you're like, and that's kind of when I came through the cloud and everything was better, or was it just kind of a slow, gradual build as things got better and the vaccines became available and 2020 turned into 2021 and things started opening again? No, what what happened was, uh, I yeah, I started to get the fire back towards the end, uh, be- end of 20, beginning of 21 or so, and <laughs> that's when I got injured then. And what happened? So I had a uh, summer of 19, so long before the pandemic, summer of 19, I had a, a stress fracture or stress reaction in um, my uh, my left hip and not a big deal. Like first major kind of running injury, but like we had a plan. We had a, uh, I knew the recovery window. Like if you run long enough, you're going to have an injury. No big deal, right? Rehabbed, got through it, spent way too much time on the elliptical. <laughs> Then the, the the pandemic happened, and um, you know went through this whole thing. had 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 some burnout. Started to get back into it. Started to look towards twenty one. I mean, we had uh, vaccines on the horizon. You know, thoughts of things opening back up, races being normal again. And I had a, a plan in place for a, a spring marathon in twenty one. And like three weeks prior, I had severe pain in my low back. And I'm like, well, let's go see the PT. You know, no big deal. And you know, she gave me some exercises, didn't help. I called my ortho friend and, and described what was going on. And he's like, well, given your history, Stephen, we probably should check this out. And uh, I mean this with no disrespect. I had an old lady fracture. I had a fracture of my sacrum, like the, the lowest part of your spine, right? So you have cervical, thoracic, lumbar, and then sacral spine. So the, the very bottom. And this is what we see in elderly females who have osteoporosis. And I'm like, what is the matter with me, Stephen? Like, you should not have this. So um, there were some stress reactions in the pelvis as well. Um, so it was kind of like a three-part uh, issue, uh, but mostly the the sacrum was the was the major one. And so obviously that marathon then didn't happen. Yeah. So it's time to rehab again, which was incredibly frustrating. Um, had to be mentally grinding. Gosh, it, that that's what was so hard is that I had come out of what I thought was this funk, and then I had this injury. Um, you know, fast forward through rehab um, and pool and treadmill or pool and elliptical and bike and whatnot. And then unfortunately had one on the other side. Uh, uh, so it was the right side of my spine. There was the left side of my sacrum. Um, and I, I think that's probably when I learned that even despite coming back from that first one um, really, really slowly, I'm a runner who can't push the envelope quite as high maybe in terms of weekly mileage as I'd ultimately like to. So we have friends, right, who uh, would love to do 80, 90, 100 miles. I don't think I'm probably ever going to get much above high 70s, maybe top at 80. Um, and I, I think I tried to pour on the miles uh, maybe a little bit quicker than I needed to and then suffered the the other one. But ultimately, that's what led to the next breakthrough was having that injury. Really? Okay, so explain that, because I was going to ask you that getting the sub three, then the next sub three just had to feel wonderful coming out of all of that. How did it happen? So the the next sub three was the the end result of a total rebuild for myself, both mentally and physically. So after that second stress fracture of 21, the fall of 21 is when joy re- really returned to running in its entirety. And so I slowly built race after race. I went and did um, 
Uh, I did a half marathon in Indy with some friends. I did a half marathon in, I think, Des Moines. Um, I uh, slowly built through Christmas, through January, ran like a a lifetime best in the 10K in early March at uh, Leprechaun Chase. And then at the end of March, uh, ran the Baltimore and Annapolis um, trail marathon. It's tra- it's t- called a trail marathon, but it's just on the BNA trail. It's on like still on concrete or uh, asphalt or whatever. So it's still a road marathon essentially. Um, but then that's where I ran my lifetime best. And it was the result of a, we're going to start over and completely um, rebuild from essentially zero because that's where it had to start. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was joyful and <clears throat> I, I can't explain that other than to say my thought through all of that training was I want to prove to myself more than anyone that that first sub three I had was not a fluke. It wasn't because I just had a coach. It wasn't because I just had the right conditions. I can do this again and I'm made to be a runner and I can do this. What was your time? 258.37. Do you think you got a better one in you? I do think I have a faster one in me. Yeah? I do. Let me ask you something. So I I was scrolling through your Instagram this morning, and one of the things that you wrote in mid-September of this year, so not that long ago, was you said it's this was Boston Registration Week, so five days or whatever before I'm about to get kicked in the junk. Uh, you wrote, it's Boston <laughs> Registration Week, and I don't have a BQ this year, a series of excuses, NYC 22 heat, Houston 23 humidity, Boston 23 overtrained, and Boise 23 burnout. Um, that is, what, one, two, three, four marathons essentially in a year. Um, you, you, and, and there's a lot of your story tonight that's like, yeah, so I ran this race, and then a month later or two months later. Do you... Do you worry ever that you're that you're taking on too much and that I guess the follow up would be, do you ever worry that you've taken on too much and it's actually been to the detriment of maybe some of the times that you could have? Uh, yes, I, I think that's an accurate criticism. Um, and I didn't mean it as a criticism. No, just it, a question. I mean, it, it's it's accurate. Uh, although, you know, it's crazy when you look back at like 17, I I ran um uh, Chicago and then CIM just a couple months apart. And that went swimmingly. And, and truth be told, I ran a marathon in November as well in the, in the month in between them. It was, a, I was, I was pacing, I was pacing like three forty or something to check off the state of, uh, Missouri, if I'm remembering right or Kansas, excuse me. Um, so, but yes, I, I think probably there is something to that. I, I have a real hard time uh, like taking time off. Yeah. Like if I can take a whole week off after a marathon, I feel like that's a major accomplishment for me because um, I usually I, I just want to jump right back in. But, you know, for, for motivated people, type A people who, who are most of us yep. are marathoners, right? We're always chasing. I mean, that's the name of your podcast, right? So <laughs> yep. like we're always and, – and a friend said to me one time, like unless you're Elliot – Someone and it's not Elliot anymore, right? It's, yeah, Kel, it's yeah. Kelvin now, yeah. I guess. But unless you're like top, there's always someone faster. Oh yeah, and there's always a time that's faster, even yeah. for those elites. So I think we're always like, you know, what more could I do? I, it was literally only a few days after I ran that two fifty eight that I was like, you know, I think I probably could have done X. <laughs> and I know you had the same feelings. I do. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you know, so you because we're always seeing what more we could push, what more we could chase. Yeah. I mean, the thing that happens is you run the race and it's awesome, but then it's also suddenly a memory, you mm-hmm. know, as of the time of this recording, Des Moines is now, you know, basically a week and a half in the rear view. By the time this posts, it'll be three weeks in there. And then it's like the longer it gets, it's like, well, I mean, that's the old me now. And I yep. have to at a certain point, I think looking forward is always important. Um, I know I, I, I'm guessing we could all feel like we could do better in the moment, though. Absolutely. Enjoy that. Uh, one of the other things you said earlier tonight that I thought was interesting was that Something about men- mentally in races or just in general with your running, um, and I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seemed like something to overcome. What do you mean by that? Um, so, being a, a highly analytical person, that is often a I feel like it's a detriment to me sometimes because um, while it means I can break down math in my head, and I. <laughs> famous for my own math uh, in breaking down times and, and what's, you know, what's left in a race. Uh, it also overanalyzes like, 
during the first few miles, how am I feeling? Oh, this doesn't feel like it should. Or, you know, the first half, the first half of a marathon should feel not easy, but should feel comfortable, right? So, oh, I'm at mile seven. And it doesn't really feel comfortable. Does that mean I'm not going to have the day I want? And then you start to go into a negative spiral. Yeah. Um, so I think that that has been a significant challenge for me that I still have. That's probably other than, you know, doing consistent strength work. I think that's probably one of the things that I still have a lot of room that I could grow in is how to develop uh, more mental toughness during during the marathon, because it's so long. I mean, yeah. you're, you're staying focused for three hours, right? And to to not let yourself go to a negative place or at least stay in a neutral place is a is a challenge. Yeah, it's interesting because you think about, as you say that, I was thinking back on Des Moines and how during all two hours, 51 minutes and 57 seconds, I'm essentially just thinking about how do I stay at this pace? Can I get there? Can I do it? Yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, I go out for like a 18 mile run I never am thinking that way I'm just thinking I'm thinking about whatever I'm listening to a podcast I'm thinking about the weather I'm thinking about my my job um whereas in the middle of a race I'm not like hey I wonder what we're gonna have on the show tomorrow you know like I don't I don't I can't you can't operate that way no. inside of a race and no. so that 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 focus how, how do you get better at that like how, I, how do you not think but you have to think about not thinking how do you right. how do you do that yeah so the answer is never you just need to get out of your own head yeah. um People have said that. That is not helpful. Okay? <laughs> don't don't say that. That's not helpful. If I could just turn it off, I would. Um, one of the th- ways that I've tried to work on that, honestly, is, believe it or not, on the treadmill. So I have this uncanny ability to um, go into a treadmill workout and then make it significantly harder than what I ha- had originally written. So it'll I'll give myself like, you know, two two by three miles or three by three miles or, or cut downs of four mile chunks and whatever. And I'll get on there and I'll be like, eh, let's do, let's do one more. Let's just do one more. And for, for whatever reason, um, when I'm doing that and I can do it sometimes outside as well, I, I haven't completely translated it to how I can do that in a marathon, but I'm able to just keep saying one more, one more, whether it's one more rep or one more mile or one yeah. more K, whatever. Um, I think building that type of mental toughness uh, to to do that is is probably a way to do it. Obviously, there's lots of books and, and experts out there. I am not a psychologist. I'm an internal medicine doctor, so uh, maybe I need to go back to school. But um, I, I think that trying to develop that in training is the way to um, have it appear on race day. I wanted to ask you uh, about your wife, Erin. You've mentioned her a few times on the pod tonight, um, and you know, you said that she got into running at the same time that you did 36 marathons. How many states now for you? Uh, 26. So that's a lot. That's a lot of travel, obviously. Uh, how like, put into words, I guess, what she has meant to you throughout this process. Uh, I read I read a story this morning uh, from The New York Times that came out, I think, a few days ago last week or whatever. And it was about runners in New York who are training for the marathon, but it was seen through the lens of their partners. And I found it very interesting. Um, and I also was talking about it with my wife, and she is super supportive. Um, I don't think she ever views this as as a detriment. Like a lot of the the significant others, honestly, in this story kind of did. They they didn't really seem to like it. Um and, and you and I are running, it seems like a lot more than a lot of these runners are in the story. So it made me leave very happy. She was also happy that I had this podcast now to talk to people about it with instead sure. of just her all the time. But uh, what what has this journey been like for her as you've traveled to, to so many states around the country and now around the world doing Berlin this year? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be here. Um, well, that's true for so many reasons. Uh, I wouldn't be here without my wife, for sure. Erin is amazing. I tell anyone who will listen that I married up. Um she has is infinitely supportive um, of my running. I, she may not understand it always because she's not as obsessed as you and I are necessarily, but she enjoys running and likes to run a marathon every couple of years or so. But um, it, the the travel is, of course, fun. There's no one I'd rather travel with. Yeah. Um, and so that's like she can keep me sane, um, help, you know, take my mind off of things when I'm, I'm you know, understandably stressing the night before, the day before, or a week before, whatever, when we're going through taper crazies, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. um, but honestly, my, my favorite story about Aaron is uh, I got to be her coach um, to coach her to her first sub four marathon in Indy uh, 2019. Um, and that, that, I don't know, that might be right up there with any of my PRs. Like 
seeing her cross a finish line uh, with a time. She ran a 355. Uh, a friend asked me before the race or the week before, like, what do you think Aaron's going to do? I know she's shooting for a sub four. I said, she's going to run 355. And she ran 355. Like, That's awesome. Nailed it. Um, knew she had it in her. It was amazing. And to see the joy on her face and be there at the finish line when she crossed it and like get to hug her right away. That's top, you know, one of my all time favorite memories. Um, but to, to fully answer your question, like she realizes how important this is to me. Yep. She can't be everything, right? She can't be the, the guy that goes and runs with me or, or that paces me for, you know, super hard workouts or things like that. But she understands how important it is. And we, we try and make time for each other. So like if she's training for our marathon as well, we, we work out like who's going to get there longer and what time you're going to start. If it's, you know, ice outside, like who's going to use the treadmill first or whatever. Um, and I don't know, we've just always made it work. Um, even despite our kids schedules. And, uh, I think it helps to have someone who's supportive, whether they're a you know, devoted, committed runner, whether they're, you know, a, a casual runner, whether they don't run at all, having someone on your team and wh- who is your best friend, which in this case, my wife, like that's, that's critical. Otherwise it's not going to happen. Very cool. Um, so uh, through one of the, the questions earlier, I mentioned NYC, which you did last year, you've done Boston a, a few times. Um, you did Chicago and that was when you got your first uh, BQ, uh, and then you just did Berlin. So you have four. You have four. four you have four of the six, and it would seem that the the, the remaining two are the two hardest. Yeah, uh, London. For those who don't know, we're talking about the the World Abbott Marathon Majors, the Abbott World Marathon Majors. I always mix yep. up the word. Um, and so those four that we mentioned, and then there's London. Um, and then there's Tokyo, and it seems like the latter is the hardest to get into because the qualifying time is insanely fast. It's two thirty five. Um, and it's just difficult to get into. Uh, what, so what's the plan? What's the plan? How, do, how are you going to get the uh, the fifth and then the sixth star? Uh, good question. Well, and hopefully they don't expand it beyond those six, which, which there's it, talk about. There's talk right? about doing uh, in South Africa, if I remember right. Yeah. And I think Australia has been Sydney, mentioned before, yep. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. So as, as it stands now, it's still six. Right, yeah. So as long as it stays six, at least there's only two. Uh, right now, the the... The strategy has been put your name in the lottery and hope for the best, right? Yep. So, which from the sounds of London, like you might be doing that until the day you die. So, at some point, we may have to decide, like, you know, we're going to go through a tour operator or do a charity or something like that. And, and, you know, we'll get to that at some point. I think what's tough right now is that, yes, I have this goal of getting to 50 states. Yes, I have this goal of, of doing all six world marathon majors, but I'm also curious about what. I still have left for potential, right? Um, and how fast can I run? And so, you know, you're not going to go all, all um, don't mean to belittle any state, but I, I don't know how, how great the marathons are in, say, uh, New Hampshire or, or something like there's, there's limited numbers of, of states that I haven't done that have like great, well-known, like fast, fast. courses with yeah. other fast people that are trying to achieve times. Right. So I, I have to balance, like, what do you want to really go for? Like, what's your goal here? Are you trying to see what you have left? Um, and what kind of potential there still is, or do you want to just check off states? Um, and so both with the world marathon majors and also the state's goal, um, I have to balance that with like, I want to see what's possible, right? So along those lines, um, you recently wrote, in other news, I've narrowed down my choices for a spring marathon to just two or three. Yeah. Would you would you mind letting us know what the two or three are, or have you fully decided? I have not fully decided yet. Um, uh, we've Obviously, this involves the, the wife, but we've, we've looked at several things. Uh, so Shamrock in Virginia Beach, uh, well-known in, in March for, for fast times, if you can get decent weather. Um, some uh, very good friends of mine are uh, doing a, a well-known race in Eugene. Oh, yes, yes, so yes, that's, yes. That's very tempting. I was wondering if tempting. that one would be on the yeah. list. Yep. And then uh, there's another fast one, uh, same weekend actually, called Glass City in, in T- Toledo of all places. Uh-huh. But people I've heard go of this there one. to run fast. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the ones. Those are those are the ones I should say I'm looking at for the spring. And would all three? Would would any of those three knock off a state too? So would it, would it do a fast and a state? Uh, both the Ohio and um, uh, Eugene would. Yes. Okay. Very yeah. very cool. When do you want to decide by? Uh, I I mean I ultimately if I was going to do Shamrock in Virginia Beach I need to decide fairly soon because. Yeah. I training need to, would need start to start really training, soon. You know, probably yeah. I, I'm okay with a little bit shorter training plan, but still would want to get started by Thanksgiving or so. What what type of training plan do you like? Are you an 18-week guy? Are you a 12-week guy? Are you whatever in between since you're kind of self-coaching? 
Uh, I I li- I'd like to go closer to sixteen, but I mean, I maintain a pretty solid base almost year round. So like, I feel like I can jump into things, and even during base building, I still like to do a workout or two per week. So it's the the difference between non training and a technical plan is not. I don't feel as is huge for mm-hmm. me. Are we going to see each other at Boston in 2025? We are definitely going to see each other in Boston in 2025. Uh, one of the fun things about talking to someone who I believe has listened to every episode or almost every episode is you know what's uh, what's you know what happens at the beginning and you know what happens at the end. Um, so, what's your favorite part about running? Uh, for me now, my favorite part about running is there is literally nothing else that makes me feel the way running does, uh, whether it's getting to run with the guys, um, or getting to run solo on a, uh, tree covered trail and fall with, you know, the changing leaves, um, which is my favorite time right, right now, right now, um, there is literally nothing like running that makes you feel the way you do. And even when it's a quote crappy run, you still feel better than you did before you started uh and there's nothing like that there really isn't um so i finish every podcast by asking my guest about what they're chasing it could be a literal time goal qualifying for something or just a feeling Stephen mooring what are you chasing i'm chasing to get the absolute best uh out of myself that i have left Stephen mooring thanks for joining me today on chasing three hours thanks josh my pleasure thanks again to Stephen mooring for joining me on today's episode Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experiences out on the running trail, races, and a whole lot more. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend. <laughs>